morning, everyone. Welcome once again to Chatham Community Church. My name is Jaime. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am uh, glad y'all are here this morning. It's great to see y'all, great to uh, enter into this season with you. Um, If you happen to be a guest, glad you're here. I'd love to say hi to you at the end of the service, so I'm going to be just outside uh, the doors where you came in. Come stop by, tell me your name, how you heard about our church, and what your experience was like this morning, and make sure you get one of our welcome bags Uh, Before you leave, there's some good stuff there for you, and it helps us bless the community as well. And before we jump into the sermon this morning, uh, a little bit of family business, and we'll keep this hopefully brief. Uh, One of the things that is great about the people in Chatham Community Church, and you may know this because you've been around us for a while, and if not, then this is something you're finding out uh, about us today. One of the great things about our community is that uh, we are marked by generosity. We are a generous-hearted people, and as I've been here for five years, over and over again, I've seen the people in Chatham Community Church uh, step up and be generous-hearted. They are open-handed with their resources, uh, with their time, with their finances, but they're also open-hearted. Uh, They are generous with their affection, with their love, with their willingness to be present for people. And some of that is in evidence, as uh, already all the the coats that we had uh, hoped to uh, uh, hand out or sort of distribute among us have been taken. And, uh, you know, we sort of, communities in school raised the bar for us this year. And uh, y'all, because they're generous-hearted and and open-handed, we've already knocked it out of the park. So uh, hopefully next year they'll invite us to support even more kids in the community, right? And we'll continue to bless Uh, Chatham County. Uh, As a church, we've had double-digit increases in percentage of giving every year, almost every year over the last decade, with the exception of 2020, because something was going on in the world in 2020. Uh, Some years it's been 10%, some years it's been 16%, it's been as high as as 20%. Uh, These have been sort of the increases year after year. And that has positioned us to invest scores of resources into Chatham County into our partnerships with local organizations, into meeting both the physical and the spiritual needs of our county. So I want to say thank you. Thank you again. I'll join with Chris in being grateful for the ways that you all have stepped up and been present for our community. And every so often, we don't talk a lot lot about money in our church, but every so often we like to give an update just to let you know where things stand. And December happens to be the midpoint of our fiscal year, so we want to do just a brief update today. Our total budget for this fiscal year, which runs from July to June of 2024, July of 2023 to June of 2024, uh, is just over a million dollars. And that breaks down to about $97,000 a month between both our campuses and the folks that join in online. Now, December tends to be a higher giving month, right? People do year-end giving, and just uh, over our history, it's been a higher giving month. So we tend to think of December as counting for two. So rather than thinking of it as uh, dividing that big number by 12, let's divide it by 13. And so we would need each month to meet budget about 90K plus around 180 in December. Uh, Now, November's books are still being reconciled, but we want to give you an update of where we stand in our giving through October. And this includes not just cash gifts, not just uh, gifts online and online giving, but also some stock gifts that we've received. And here's what we see with these actuals. What we see is that over uh, almost every month, there's been a significant increase from the past year. Now, October was a down month, but overall, we're under budget. We're under budget. And we're not anxious about that. I want you to hear that from me. We are not anxious about that. Here's why. We have more people involved in Chatham Community Church at this time than at any other point in our history. 
Overall, between both our campuses and online, our attendance, our average attendance is up by 100 people from this point last year. And it's not just about the people that are coming, it's about what that represents. We are engaging and serving the community on an ongoing basis with grace and with enthusiasm, whether it's through Chatham Serves, where we filled out almost, if not every single project, being present at the Pittsburgh tree lighting, the folks that are getting ready to represent us to, at, the, at the parade in a few weeks, our partnerships with local nonprofits and individuals and families that we've found creative ways to help with, even people who have never been connected to our church and may never be connected to our church, but they're in need, and we've been able to step in and help them gladly. And it's thanks to the resources, the talents, and the times, the time that you have put at the disposal of the Lord. God is at work among us. We've seen people be baptized this year. We've seen babies dedicated. We've seen marriages healed. We've seen people, people's lives be transformed. And we've seen relationships be healed as well. Over 600 people from our community joined us at the community festival in late October. Those people maybe had never had any connection with us, but they joined us on that day. All of them, and along with all the ones who have never been connected to us, will get a mailer in about 10 days, inviting them to join us at our Christmas Eve service. And as we get ready for that, we're having people pray through each of our campuses for every chair, every day, at least once a day, hoping that the people who sit in these seats throughout this Christmas season, and that doesn't, that's not just guests, that's you as well, that all of us would experience the transforming power of God during this Christmas season. Um, we're not just talking about uh, the outreach that we did in October. We're looking, because of how that went, we're looking at doing an outreach the day before Easter, maybe here in Chatham Mills, with the hope of engaging the community and inviting them to join us on Easter Sunday. And the Lord is positioning us to make an even bigger impact across Chatham County in the months and years to come. And we're looking around. And as we look around, we keep asking God, God, what is next? God, where are you inviting us to? God, where are you calling us to step in? And we can do that in part because of your generosity. Your generosity with finances, your generosity with time, your generosity with your resources. So I want to give a mild nudge. If this is your church home and you've not yet considered giving to the work we're doing here, I'm going to ask you to consider being generous as part of your worship with your finances to help us close the gap over the next few months. If you are already giving, consider an increase or consider a year-end gift. To be clear, we're not crazy stressed about this. When we set the budget, we felt like we were stepping into what God is doing. But if we're not meeting the budget, here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to stop stepping into what God is doing. We're just going to find other ways to meet the needs. We're going to find other ways to say yes to the opportunities God is bringing before us. We'll make adjustments on the back half of the fiscal year to make sure we end in the black, and we'll make adjustments for next year. But we will not stop seeking to fulfill God's mission for us in Chatham County because we see God at work in Chatham County. We hear his invitation, and we can't help but say yes. Yes. So join us in saying yes to God's work in Chatham County. Again, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your generosity. And thus endeth this family meeting. <laughs> I've been here in Chatham County for about five years, and as I was getting ready to transition here from New York, uh, the church community that I was part of and that I served at decided to throw a going-away lunch. And uh, one of my colleagues was also from Puerto Rico, like I am, and he offered to make a very special traditional dish for the main course. He offered to roast 
a whole pig in what is traditionally called a roasting box, but has lots of different names. If you're from uh, Bayou or Louisiana, you may know this as a Cajun roasting box. It's called lots of different things in lots of different ways. But it's essentially it's a box where you put stuff in, meats in, or, or other things, and then on top of it you lay a bed of coals, uh, and then you tend to that until stuff is ready. It takes a long time. It's a multi-day process to roast a whole pig in this thing, including the prep. But the cooking itself takes hours upon hours and requires frequent tending. And it's not like there's a timer that you can put and say, well, it's going to be done now. It's done when it's done. Which means there's often a lot of waiting. Which means often you invite people to show up at a certain time, and what you're inviting them to show up for is to wait. And that was the case for us. We got done with service. We headed down to where the picnic was going to be, and the pig was not ready, so we waited. Now, there were sides, and even on top of that roasting box, you could put, like, uh, some grilling stuff, and you could grill some burgers and hot dogs. Um, but the smell of the meat, as we were there, kept spreading and spreading. And you notice that no one was filling up on sides. No one was filling up on burgers. No one was filling up on hot dogs, because every time we caught a whiff of what was roasting, we knew. We knew that if we waited, it would be worth it. Because what was coming was going to be delicious, right? The delicious meal that we were longing for was coming. This is the first Sunday in Advent. It's a season that Christians around the world for generations have celebrated. And it's a season that's marked by longing, by hope. It's marked by waiting. We look to people in the ancient Middle East and remember their longing. They're waiting. They're hoping for a Messiah, a Savior, a Rescuer, a Deliverer, a Restorer. It's a longing and hope whose fulfillment is found starting in the birth of Jesus in that manger in Nazareth all those years ago. But we also share with Christians around the world a longing, a hope, a waiting for Jesus' return when all will be made right once and for all and there will be no more evil no more pain, no more suffering, no more brokenness, no more tears, no more sickness. Everything will be made right. Our Advent series this year is titled Hope of Glory. And it comes from a phrase in the passage that we heard a little while ago. It says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Most everyone longs in some way and hopes to live a life that matters. A life that is significant in one way or another. We all ache with longing at some level for a world in which all is well. The word that we translate in this passage as glory captures some of that. And the argument that Christians have been making for generations, the argument that the scriptures make, is that that glory is found in trusting Jesus. So during this season... What we want to do is essentially give a whiff, an aroma of Jesus, so that we can believe that Jesus is worth trusting, worth hoping in, worth longing for, and that the things that he's going to provide for us are worth waiting on him for. So as we enter into this season, it may be helpful to pause and take stock of anything you and I are waiting for, hoping for, or longing for. So take a moment and consider What hopes and longings are you carrying into this Advent season? Think through your life. Think about the things that you've been waiting on, hoping on, longing for. Perhaps some of us are longing to reconnect with a loved loved one who we've seen a relationship break with. 
We've seen strain come to that relationship, but we're longing for it to be restored. Some of us are hoping for that new job to come through, that change from a place we're at to some place where we can feel like we are delighting and enjoying and actually, and actually giving out what we were made for. Maybe we're waiting for that promotion to come through. Some of us are waiting with bated breath for news from the doctor. Hopefully good news, but just news so that we know how to prepare for what comes next. What are you waiting for, longing for, hoping for? What if, in the lead up to Christmas, we each directed all those longings, all those hopes, all that waiting to Jesus? What if we directed them to God? What if we asked him to meet us in that waiting, in that longing, in that hoping, and to provide for us what we need and long for? What if we waited on him and hoped in his provision for us in this season? Now, it's a lot to ask for any of us to wait for, hope for, long for, deposit all that into someone that lived 2,000 years ago. But the scriptures paint a picture of a Jesus Uh, that is worth waiting on because of who he is and because of what he's done. And that's what we're going to talk about in this series. We're going to start with who Jesus is and why that makes him worth waiting on, worth trusting in, worth depositing our hopes and longings and directing them towards him. The passage that we heard, and it's the passage that we'll be hearing each week during this Advent season, comes from Colossians 1. It's a New Testament letter written to early Christians an early Christian community. And the first thing that we hear is this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. One of the most astonishing and for some unbelievable parts of the Christian faith is this idea that the baby that is born in a manger is God. That the baby born in a manger is God taking on flesh. Yet the idea that God would make himself seen would make himself known, would make himself heard, would make himself experienced in such a way is one of the most trust-engendering parts of the story. That he would enter into our story is one of the most trust-engendering parts of the Christian story. One of the main plot points of the first season of the TV show Loki is that Loki is having this ongoing attempt to get an audience with these figures known as the timekeepers. They are these supreme beings that direct all the work that Loki has sort of been conscripted into. And Loki keeps trying to get an audience with them. Some of them is that he wants to get before them because he thinks he can convince them to do whatever it is that Loki wants to do. But you get a sense, as Loki is doing the things that he's been conscripted into, that some of it is he wants to get an audience with them to know that they are real. Because if he knows that they are real, then he knows that he can be at ease entrusting what he's been directed to do. God makes himself known through Jesus. The invisible becomes visible. The invisible takes on the form of his creation. He gives us something solid to hope in, to long for, to wait on. Our hope is not in something abstract or conceptual. Our hope is in the word made flesh who made his dwelling among us. Our hope is in the word made flesh, who made his dwelling among us, and a God who makes himself known is worth trusting in. A God who doesn't remain in the abstract, distant from his creation, is worth trusting in. 
Now the passage also uses words like image and creation. And in that, the passage is echoing the earliest accounts of creation, the earliest accounts in the book of Genesis. In Genesis 1, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Do you hear the echoes of that in the Colossians passage? Now, those first humans were created in God's image and were created with a purpose. In an all-is-well kind of place, but they forfeited that purpose. They forfeited an all-is-well life. They forfeited a place that was covered in peace, that was all in peace. And they forfeited by choosing to direct their trust, to direct their hope away from the God who had created them, away from the God in whose image they were made and towards themselves. And the story of humanity veered off the track. It was made to be and it was meant to be. And we've spent millennia trying to get back to it by our own strength, to get back to a state of peace, to get back to a state of well-being, to get back to a state where we feel like we're living the life that we were made to live. But we're unable to do that outside of God. And Jesus' coming is a redeeming of that first story. It's a resetting of the trajectory of humanity because Jesus lives the life that humanity was was designed to live, a life lived in perfect and complete trust in God, in his will, in his purpose, in his direction. You and I take the stories of our lives in all sorts of different directions. We do things that are good, we do things that are not good. But apart from God, we never capture that for which we were truly made for. But Jesus resets our stories. He resets our stories back to their original intent. And that is worth trusting in. The hope of a reset of our story, where we're back in the track that we were made for, that we were created for, where all that is good in us that we can contribute can be used, where we can feel like we're in our sweet spot. That is worth trusting in. That is worth longing in. That is worth waiting for. The passage goes on to say, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. It's this grand picture of what Jesus is able and what Jesus has done. Because Jesus is God and has always been, nothing is outside the scope of his authority and his agency. Nothing is outside the the scope of his authority and agency. He has made all, and Jesus sustains all. I went to a bilingual school for most of my early education, and in first grade, most of my class wasn't yet able to speak English. We were still learning because Spanish was the language of the home. And part of the way our teacher helped us to learn would not be unfamiliar to many of us because in our early years of school, this is one of the uh, tactics teachers used. Our teacher taught us songs in English. 
And some of them were very sort of practical songs. They were songs to learn the days of the week or the months of the year or the colors. But some were just sort of popular songs, songs that she liked to help us get familiar with the language. And one of the songs that she taught us was an African-American spiritual. He's got the whole world in his hands. Are you familiar with it? It goes, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. Beautiful. Some of you said whole wide world. Yes, that was one of the alternate versions that we sang as well. And there are lots of verses. There are a few verses that go with that, and she would have us sing those, and it's repetitive, so it's easy to learn. And the last verse, she would, she would have us say, he's got all of us here. And do this choreography that I can't remember what it was, but I can remember how my body felt, because it felt all-encompassing, right? He's got all of us here in his hands. Now, I didn't grow up religious, but I remember singing that, those lines and feeling something good when I sang it, feeling a sense of comfort, feeling a sense maybe that now I could identify as peace, that this idea that God has all of us here in his hands. And that, that song gets at some of what the Colossians passage is saying about Jesus that all things were created through him and for him, that he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's got all of us here. He's got all of this in his hands. Nothing, no one, and no situation is beyond the reach and power of Jesus. Nothing, no one, and no situation is beyond the reach and power of Jesus. And that makes him worth waiting for. It makes him worth longing for. It makes him worth hoping in. The portion of the Colossians passage that we are covering today ends like this. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the end, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Jesus guides the church. Jesus' life is exemplary. His teaching is still compelling after 2,000 years. His is a life worth following, and His is the model that we follow. It's worth modeling our lives after. But Jesus doesn't just live an exemplary life or communicate timelessly compelling teaching. He writes what humanity wronged. He resets the story. He dies a death that He did not deserve, and for anyone else, that would have been a sad end to a noble life but not for Jesus that's not the end for him he rises on the third day and in his rising he defeats that which was undefeated the powers of sin and death and he defeats them forever and he doesn't just keep that for himself he ushers us into that ushers us into a reality where sin and death don't have the final word on any of our lives where it's not the period to the end of our stories Jesus leads the way into life everlasting. Into a life everlasting. And in that life everlasting, one day there will be no more pain or sorrow. One day there will be no more sickness or hurt. One day there will be no more betrayal or anything other than what is good and what is noble and what is true and what is righteous and what is peaceful and it is what we long for and what we need. And that, is worth trusting in. 
That makes him worth putting our hope in. That makes it worth waiting on him to deliver that which we need right now and we feel we don't yet have. That is the invitation for today. To wait for, to long for, to trust in Jesus. And here's how I'm going to invite us to respond this morning. This is the first Sunday of the month, so we are going to take communion together. This is the Lord's table. It is the meal he prepared for his disciples on the night that he was to be betrayed. And it's something that Christians throughout the world, across millennia, and every language that is called on Jesus' name has celebrated. It's an invitation we have to come to the table with Jesus and with our sisters and brothers, bringing what we need, bringing what we have, bringing who we are, and receiving from him that which is connected to life and life everlasting. Here's how I'd like you to reflect and come to the table this morning, because the invitation to the table is always an invitation to reflect. I'd like you to come to the table feeling like you have an empty plate. And what you need in that empty plate is the thing that you are longing for, hoping for, waiting on. I want you to come to the table of Jesus with an empty plate, with the longing, the hope, the trust that Jesus can fill it. So as you're there, before you get ready to come to the table, to come and collect your gluten-free cracker and your grape juice, think about what you're asking Jesus for this season. What do you need? Do you need peace? Do you need reconciliation? Do you need hope? Do you need something to be put back right? Do you need forgiveness? Do you need provision? Do you need a job? Do you need finances? Do you need help getting out of some sort of mess that you are in? Do you need freedom from something that you feel trapped in? Bring your plate to Jesus. and Ask him to fill it this Advent season. And when you take the elements, and I'll, I'll give us prompts to do that. When you take the elements, consider it sort of a promise, a foretaste of what is to come, a way in which you are saying, I may not have it today, but I believe that God is going to provide it. And I believe he is worth waiting for longing for, and hoping in. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and while I pray, the worship team is going to join me on the stage, and once I'm done, they're going to lead us in a song. While they're leading us in that song, I want to invite you to come and gather the gluten-free cracker and the grape juice, and then go to your seats and reflect on what you're bringing, what you're asking Jesus for this season. And in the middle of the song, I'll come up and lead us in the elements. I've asked some folks to host the table, so if you're one of the folks I've asked to host a table, would you go to those tables now? And as you're moving, would, you, would the rest of us join me in prayer? Gracious God, thank you, Lord, that we can bring the spaces on our plate that need filling. We can bring our empty plates to you, our longings, our hopes, our desires, and you can fill it with what we need. Lord, we bring to you our longing. We bring to you our hope. We bring to you our waiting, and we ask that you would meet us. And we trust that you will because you have. You have met the longings of humanity. You have fulfilled the hope you, Lord, are worth waiting for. Lord, would we believe that this morning? And in that belief, would we find comfort as we wait, as we long, and as we hope. In Jesus' name, amen.